Welcome to a brand new episode. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show. Hello and welcome to The Python Show. I'm your host, uh, Mike Driscoll. And today we have a very special guest, uh, Maria from, I believe her website is called, her YouTube channel is called um, Python Simplified. And That's she right. Has, yeah, she has lots of cool cool content on there. Definitely check her out and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mike. Super happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, I usually ask all of my guests to just give us a little bit of their background story and tell us about your journey into programming. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome. Sure. So my name is Maria. I am a software developer from beautiful British Columbia, Canada. I have mm. a Python channel, channel, <laughs> channel, <laughs> as you mentioned, <laughs> called Python Simplified, where I teach computer science concepts and uh, artificial intelligence using Python. Um, oh. My programming journey has started many, many years ago when I was 12, when I first got my um, my internet connection, my broadband internet connection. I went mm -hmm. ahead and investigated the web. I've made some websites. And ever since, I'm learning new things. Um, right now, I'm learning um, a full-blown um, degree in computer science uh, in the University of London. I'm learning a uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence specialization. So I'm taking cool. it a bit more seriously than I did when I was 12. And yeah, mm -hmm. here we are. <laughs> That's awesome. So I've had a couple of other younger uh, guests on my show, and I'm just curious, what, what are they teaching uh, regarding computer science concepts? Are they like teaching, what languages are they teaching? Are they teaching like te like test-driven development, you know, stuff about, so, so, what is it, uh, source control, things like that? So not much about source control. This is something that you need to figure out on your own. But mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to programming languages, I find that specifically my university is mostly focusing on P5JS, which is a, uh, it's a JavaScript library that uh, helps you create um, interactive software very fast. It's all uh, web applications. I don't okay. believe it is widely used in a workplace, but they use it a lot in our modules. They also teach mm. a little bit of Python, I don't like the way they teach them, but it's okay. I'm too picky when it comes to Python. <laughs> when we are in the trade, we have mm -hmm. certain um, certain things that bug us when they do them, um, as well as C++. They also teach it uh, very well, actually. Um, okay. But maybe it's because my lecturer was very well for this specific module. So it depends on who you learn from. <laughs> it does. It does. Yes. Awesome. So I'm just curious if they're not teaching Python, or at least not teaching it the way you want, um, why did you choose to, to learn Python and what are you using it for yourself? Um, so I chose, when I chose to learn Python, I didn't necessarily choose Python. I chose machine learning and artificial mm -hmm. intelligence. And uh, basically Python was the best way to implement it. So I discovered Python absolutely by chance. Uh, before I was familiar with JavaScript, I really liked it. But then as soon as you're you become familiar with Python, at least in terms of the aesthetics and in terms of the simplicity of the commands, um, you're kind of becoming addicted. And it's very mm -hmm. hard for you to imagine a different programming languages in, uh, different programming languages instead. Um, yeah. And basically my first, my, my best impression about Python at the very, very beginning was uh, the indentations, the clever way mm -hmm. of utilizing indentations to uh, 
providing meaning to those indentations, which is something that we don't have in other programming languages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get very excited about it. I like the way it's organized. And from there, it's, uh, it's, it just continued. I continue discovering new things. And every day, there's something new I find out. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I found that I, I found that I really liked that it enforces indentation. A lot of uh, a lot of people who don't like that, but when I was in taking computer classes, like C plus plus, the the teacher or the professor was like, "You need to indent your code, even though it's surrounded by braces. It needs to be indented to show that it's a block of code." And then you have people complaining that Python forces you to do that, and I'm like. What's the deal? You're taught to do that in school. <laughs> Absolutely. Not only in school, just for yourself, you know, in order to, yeah. to have a better understanding of where you stored things, just in terms of, you know, graphically looking mm-hmm. at all your, at, at all the sophistication you have inside your code. It's much better to separate it with, with indentations. It doesn't matter the programming language you use. It's just far more organized and easier to detect um, specific details. And we do it anyways. Yeah. So we might as well utilize it in a clever way. Yeah, you, you can spot uh, syntactical errors better if it's indented, you know, into, into blocks of code. It's a lot harder to tell, you know, where's the beginning and ending uh, brace or curly brace or whatever, if it's all on one line, for example. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. So, <laughs> you know, you, you're doing data science now and machine learning. Do you feel like uh, if if I'm like just like a regular software developer and hasn't ha- doesn't have a data science background, do you think I need to go back to school to get into data science or machine learning? Um, I think that it becomes a more necessary skill as we go, but mm-hmm. at this point of time, I don't think that it's the right right time to throw everything and run back to school to relearn a bunch of concepts. Um, I think that there's plenty of information online. So if it's something that people find interesting, there's so many sources, including my channel, including your uh, Twitter account that you can actually Mm -hmm. refer to in order to learn new things when it comes to data science and when it comes to machine learning. Um, I see it as something that takes time because it doesn't matter anything new you learn will take you time to master. And There is no need to rush. Uh, there's there's plenty of material. There's plenty of time. And as we go, we discover new things. Um, so uh, no rush whatsoever. But it is very important <laughs> to uh, to learn data science uh, when it comes to machine learning and artificial intelligence. These two fields are so closely connected together that um, mm-hmm. anyone who ever wants to pursue a career in uh, machine learning, deep learning, it's a necessity. Uh, we basically start with analyzing the data, looking at the data, and only then we figure out uh, sophisticated mechanisms to process this data. So it's it's the beginning of every artificial intelligence uh, journey, at least in my uh, point, from my point of view. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've always thought that was kind of a, almost a gatekeeping in a way that you have to go and get a degree in data science to actually do data science. And I'm like, I don't really agree with that. But I'm always curious to see what, what people who are actually doing it think, too. So, Sorry, Mike, anyway. can you repeat it? <laughs> no, it's all good. I apologize. <laughs> um, I was just saying, um, I feel like people who think everyone everyone has to get a data science degree to become a data science uh, engineer, 
I think there's some. I think there's like gatekeeping involved there because to me it feels like a software engineer should be able to do that because they're already used to working with data, you know, to begin with. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. You know, if I want to create an algorithm, then I probably have to go back to school because I don't know how to do that uh, for machine learning, you know. But if I don't need to create an algorithm, I'm pretty sure I can do the job, you know. <laughs> anyway. For sure. And with time, if if you look for like other resources online and stuff, you'll be able to do it too. I have no doubts. Yeah. Cool. So I'm interested, you know, how did you decide to become a YouTuber? Um, I can't call it a decision. I was basically switching careers. <laughs> I was a graphic designer <laughs> for many, okay. many years. I enjoyed it. I, uh, I had lots of fun, but then I realized that I maximized myself at a certain spot. Um, and I was looking for other ways. And then I was reading this article about, uh, Tesla's autopilot. And they mentioned that they're using machine learning technologies as in present progressive using now, not in the future. And this is how I discovered that, uh, Artificial intelligence is no longer science fiction. So I thought, well, if I'm already looking for a new direction and there's something that um, I've always dreamed of learning and I'm capable of learning it nowadays, I have to go for it. <laughs> so um, I basically decided that from now on, I want to change careers. I want to do something else. And I, uh, and I wanted to find an employment uh, that will uh, help me get better with it um, as I learn it. Um, and that's where COVID hit. So basically <laughs> when I was looking, uh, to switch careers and become a junior, um, junior developer, no one was hiring junior developers. And I thought mm -hmm. that, um, maybe starting my own YouTube channel will, will help me stand out. Um, and yeah, I, I posted a few videos. People really, really enjoyed it. I discovered that people like the way I teach. Um, and ever since. It, it all became history. I didn't really think it's going to be a business at a certain point of time. I thought it's just a way mm -hmm. for me to uh, capture attention um, of potential employers. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of things have happened since. <laughs> oh, so it has worked out as to a full-time job, the YouTubing part, part of it? Basically, instead of looking for jobs, I ended up, um, you know, developing this channel to the level that right now uh, companies are reaching out to me and asking me if I'd like to work with them, um, not as a uh, not as an employee, but as a contractor. I have this okay. product. I have this really, really good um, Python extension. Uh, would you like to cover it in one of your videos? Um, we can mm. collaborate and things like that. So right now, I'm not really looking for work, uh, but maybe sometimes in the future, who knows, uh, maybe one day. Uh, I'd like to uh, create, you know, a nice startup or something. You yeah. know, all the options are open. That makes sense. Awesome. So um, what makes you think a YouTube channel is, is a good YouTube channel versus a bad YouTube channel? Um, I don't really look at it in concepts of, of good or bad. I basically okay. look at um, how genuine someone is. That's something yeah. that that I find very, very important because everyone wants to be like those ultra famous YouTubers that, uh, you know, everyone sees, you know, everybody mm -hmm. wants to be like Joe Rogan or like Mr. Beast. And everybody's trying to uh, adopt the way they speak to the way that they um, that, you know, the famous YouTubers speak. And this is where mm -hmm. I think a lot of YouTubers lose it because um, it's hard. It's hard to compare someone who is first um, starting to use a camera 
to someone who is a professional and has been doing it for years. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead of trying to be like somebody else, uh, I think that a lot of YouTubers need to focus on being themselves. And it sounds like an easy task, but there's a big gap between speaking to your peers and colleagues and friends and speaking to a camera. Very, very big gap. I kind of discovered it the hard way, but (laughs) you usually get better at what you do um, as time goes by. Um, Mm. Another important detail is consistency. There are many YouTube channels that have a single viral video that many, many people watch, but it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that all those people will subscribe because if they look at other uh, pieces of content that that YouTuber does, um, it doesn't necessarily on the same level or on the same topic that they may find interesting. So for example, if somebody has a computer science channel, it is probably not wise to review the new vehicle that you just bought. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even though it might be a nice video, it might go viral, but your viewers may not appreciate it. So um, these are the two criteria that I find um, the most most important to me, at least. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So um, what do you find are the top three data science topics that your viewers seem to like the best? Um, So the first topic would definitely be web scraping and automation. Uh, That's something that um, my channel began covering these topics. Uh, Actually, viewers asked me specifically to cover mechanical soup and beautiful soup and all kinds of web mm-hmm. scraping libraries. And ever since I discovered Selenium and it's, it's very hard to use anything else since. Um, so my channel is, uh, is very oriented around um, automating um, XML sites as well as dynamic sites. Um, and it's something that uh, folks really appreciate. Um, another topic is database management systems, which mm-hmm. is, something that uh, my viewers also really appreciate, particularly in the realm of SQLite. Um, it is a very, very nice and friendly system that is easily um, um, easily achievable with Python libraries. You don't need to set up anything. You just need a mm-hmm. simple pip install command and not always because uh, SQLite is installed with Anaconda already. So um, yeah. I found it very, very interesting. Um, and yeah, I wish I could tell you machine learning and, and deep learning and things like <laughs> that. My audience doesn't find it uh, particularly interesting. There is a fraction of the audience that is very, uh, that is really engaged and, and really enjoys it. But uh, um, I would say it's like 5% of people, okay. uh, which to me is sad because this is what I'm mostly passionate about. So I wish that everyone mm-hmm. would be excited about it just as much as I am, but there's nothing yeah. you can do. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Um, you didn't mention uh, Playwright. You might want to check that out for web scraping. That's a kind of a newer library that I've heard a lot of people like to use now. I've heard yeah. a lot of recommendations about it. I did not try it myself. Yeah, I know someone who I think he works for Microsoft and he goes around to different conferences and talks about it. So it looks okay. really slick. So it might be wor- it might be worth talking about someday, especially if your viewers cool. like that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I did see it in the requests, uh, but it's hard to follow all the requests. It's hard to know how many requests exactly mm-hmm. from each topic there are. Uh, but I did see, uh, I did see it popping in the comments. Uh, I definitely look into it now that you recommended it as well. <laughs> 
I, I, I happened to see a talk on it at PyCon this year, and it did look it did look pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're getting close to my last. Uh, we're getting actually we're at the last question now. Wow. So, do you have any advice? <laughs> do you have any advice for anyone who'd like to become a uh, a teacher on YouTube? Sure. So, first of all, don't rush to invest in a lot of fancy equipment. Start with what you have. The only mm -hmm. thing you realistically need is a working computer, as well as a microphone that is semi good. It doesn't have yep. to be the fanciest microphone in the world. It doesn't have to have RGB on it. This is something you can mm -hmm. buy along the way. Um, start slowly. Don't use the fanciest software and don't invest in too much equipment. Make sure that people enjoy what you are doing, the way you are teaching, mm -hmm. uh, and make sure that you understand what audience, um, your audience, basically, because this is you're basically targeting them. You're not filming what you want to film. You're filming what they, what will bring value to their life. Um, so that should be your main goal. Another advice I have is don't just rely on some algorithms and on strangers on the internet to, uh, to consume and promote your content. The first, the first entities mm -hmm. you should rely on is your family, is your friends, is your colleagues. So as soon as you have your very first video, as soon as you post it, the first thing you should do is you should reach out to all your contacts, you know, all your loved ones and tell them, hey, mm -hmm. I have a new I have a new YouTube channel. Uh, would you like to uh, view this video? Would you like to tell me how you feel about it? Uh, give me some feedback. I'd love to hear what you have to say. And maybe you can help me in whichever way you'd like. Maybe you can uh, mm -hmm. leave me a like. Maybe you can leave me a comment. Maybe you can share it with someone. And this would be your initial audience. This is how I basically started. Once you mm -hmm. have um, at least the basic feedback and once you are comfortable with uh, the editing, the filming, uh, writing content, and just, you know, viewing the yeah. camera, even if you don't have a camera, just speaking uh, to the microphone, explaining things, then you can move on with advertising your videos elsewhere. So, for example, a good source would be uh, Facebook groups. Now, I'm not on Facebook anymore. I used to be uh, back in the day, and I joined a very big group of uh, uh, called Python. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> which is like 100% match to what I do. Um, now they have, I believe, almost half a million, uh, half a million members or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. But back in the day, they were a bit smaller. So this is where you can start sharing your content with others. And when you do so, don't just share your video. Explain people why this video is good, uh, why this might help them, and uh, make a nice discussion about it. Uh, and then use the comment section to to collect feedback from strangers because, you know, feedback from family and friends is not always objective. My mom thinks yeah. I'm the smartest person in the world, but it doesn't mean <laughs> anything. <laughs> I'm yeah. just her daughter. So she has to she has to feel that way. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And slowly, slowly progress towards uh, towards the type of channels that you are used to see, because you don't have to start from you know, the top of the line. You usually start slow and your viewers mm -hmm. will appreciate your progress as you go. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. Yeah. I hope it helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope to see a bunch of great new uh, YouTube stars, you know, commenting on this podcast and telling us the new channels. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, we made it through all of my questions. So I just want to thank you so much for putting up with me and my bad internet connection. And, it's all uh, good. 
It's all good, Mike. I understood you without hearing half of it. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for the show. Hopefully the next time, if I have you on again, I'll have a better connection for that. But... Absolutely. I'd love to come over again. Great. Anyway, y'all, all you listeners, go and check out uh, Maria's awesome channel and check her out and, you know, support her because she deserves it. All right. Thank you. I'm going to sign off now. Yeah. Thanks. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show. 